A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. I'm Mouse Jones. I'm Matt Wilds. I'm Flora. And we are live next door. <laughs> welcome back. Welcome back. Welcome back. Y'all niggas is in our house one more again. We appreciate y'all as always. It was, it's been a beautiful two years. I could officially say two years now. I've been saying two years. Ah, uh, yes, year and a half. yes, Mouse. Yes, you can. Yes, you can. It, it's right. officially it's, two years. It's, it's still not no, right. It's not, Ryan. Listen, it's still a, it's a few months. It'll, Ryan, it'll, give, it'll just let him back. It'll be two years. What was that like? February. February. Yeah. Like, Yo, not my I'll, I'll do this. I'll say this, Mouse. For your sake, it has been two years since we started recording this podcast. We did not release an episode <laughs> two years ago, but this time, two years ago, we were recording. We were recording. We were definitely All right. recording. Man, those early recordings, man, it ain't much change. We still late. Uh, we still show up when we get here. <laughs> I ain't even had my headphones yeah. on. That's how you know I'm still fucking up. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, man, two years. We here. We, we appreciate y'all. We had a bunch of guests, a bunch of... Uh, bunch of episodes and we appreciate y'all millions of listens we love y'all um and we're gonna keep it going in the new year and beyond so in the meantime in between time make sure that you head over to uh the podcast wherever you listen to podcast make sure you listen of course comment rate and subscribe yes give us five stars a five star rating why because we are children and we need your validation so validate us good comments good good ratings do that for us please um Please, we we will beg. Um, also, listen, I know y'all be going through people's phone. Stop going through people's phone. That's illegal. But if you are going to go through their phone, make sure you just subscribe to the podcast and then send yourself $50 from the cash app. But then send the cash app to the guys next door. Um, guys next door monies goes to the cash app. Cash app, uh, dollar sign Mouse Jones. That's where all the cash app. If you send it to dollar sign Mouse Jones, I'll make sure that everybody at God Next Door gets their cut. Mm-hmm. Um, just, you know, I just want to see if y'all going to do that. So just I go f- ahead and I do it. I feel like if they do fly rides, less letters. So they'll... they'll uh, fly rides. It's a lot, uh, it's a lot going on. Many, the word lie is already in there. Like fly, lie, it's already there. Nah, it's there. lie. It's a R-Y. I don't know where the L is. But right? fly, I don't lie, know where the lie. Where's the I? Where the I? Lie. The word lie is right there. No, no, no. Wow. 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 So, so it doesn't. Okay. Well, y'all know it's Cash App Mouse Jones um, for God next door. 
Um, but you know, if y'all if y'all don't and y'all just want to be you know penny pension, well, use some of that bandemic SBB, SBA, PPE. Use all those monies on us. You know, go over to the Patreon. Uh, go to patreon.com backslash guys next door pod. Send us some monies. Put some snaps on the Petro. Y'all come over in our house twice a week and you don't do nothing but listen. Put your feet on the couch. Y'all don't contribute nothing but your <laughs> measly ass letters with your problems. Give us some monies. I feel like the women on Clubhouse. Give us money. Okay? <laughs> Jesus Christ. Send us monies. Uh, and you can do that at Patreon.com backslash guys next door. Um, what else? Uh, we're back on YouTube. We're back. Our YouTube is up and running again. YouTube.com backslash guys next door pod. If you have a oh, letter. It's, it's, uh, I, I, hold on. I checked it out. It, I, I was wrong. It's guys next door podcast. Guys next door guys podcast. Yeah. Guys next door podcast. So head over there so you can see our beautiful faces. It's just some more shit you can see for free. Cause you know, clearly I don't fuck with us to, you know, want to pay monies. I said it. Uh, last but not least, if you want to let it run on air, make sure you send that, send that to guys next door, one, two, three, at gmail.com. Put in the subject line your own fake name or Che is going to read what's in front of her. If it is a relationship advice question, doesn't have to be, but if it is, we ask that you put your own name. I mean, you put you send a picture of you and your suitor. You ask why? Because far too many times y'all have us given uh, advice to women with no side teeth. And I would give different advice if I knew you didn't have your side teeth. Jesus so, Christ. No, no, listen, sometimes a woman don't have no canine right here. I, and, no, no, I know. Like she smiles too hard and you just, uh-huh, it's just like and you air. Just see it. it just looks like a lot of air. When she smiles, when she, when she talk, it whistles. All right, all she, right, all right, all right. When she talk, it sounds like a 42 Doug song. Um, Son, don't wow. do that. All right, never mind. All right. Well, listen, uh, each and every, uh, you know, we do our best uh, the past two years to give y'all good, uh, good stories, great guests. We've been doing that thing. We've had a lot of great guests, a lot of New York City, um, great guests. Um, And today, no shortage. We have a legend who I first heard his story on, um, you know, OG legendary uh, OG Reg Combat Jack heard his story there, read up on him. Uh, you know, he, he's a gangster. He was once a cop, but you know, he's Queen's finest. We got Corey Pegese, uh, Pegese. Oh, uh, OG, what's going on, Corey? Yo, what's up, fellas? What's up? What's up? I love how y'all moving. I'm loving it. I'm loving it. Appreciate, appreciate that. Appreciate that. Appreciate Listen, that. um, for, for any New York people who are unfamiliar with your story, real quick, just a quick gloss over before we get in this conversation. Tell them why they should know exactly who you are in your story and what it means to New York City police and overall. Yeah, again, thanks for having me. So just a real quick synopsis. I was I was raised in a family of six, five sisters and myself. And around the age of 13, I gravitated to the streets, started selling Lucy's, started selling weed, marijuana, masculine tag, loose cocaine. And then I started selling crack cocaine, working with a group of like five dudes, my Five Amigos, my crew, and then eventually started working for my man, Bimmy, who was in the Supreme team, um, Supreme right-hand man. Mm. I worked there for like two or three years um, in the Supreme team, made a lot of money, did a lot of crazy stuff, did a lot. My story was crazy. I robbed people. I shot people. I did a lot of crazy stuff that I'm not proud of today, but eventually, October 18th, 1987, I was able to wiggle out that lifestyle and go to the U.S. Army. 
did three years and eight months in the military, came out six months later, went into the NYPD, the biggest gang in the world, as far as law enforcement was concerned. And then um, I just gravitated, kept my mouth shut, studied hard, got my bachelor's, my master's, went to Columbia University, been a professor two times, and I went to the top of the food chain in the NYPD, eventually becoming a commanding officer. The first black commander of six, seven priests in the East Flatbush, Brooklyn, one of the most violent priests in the city of New York. And I had all the housing developments in Brownsville, East New York, and Crown Heights, PSA 2. So, I mean, yo, my story, my story is like, it's like a Hollywood show and a writer's room. They can't even get this story right. The writers <laughs> wouldn't be able to do it. I promise you, they won't be able to do it. But we're talking. You know, I got I, some. I, I think. I think I know. I think I know. I think I know, think, a, I think I think I know a writer. I think I know there's one really good writer who could who could probably <laughs> fix that for you. His name is Mac Wilds. He probably <laughs> could get that story together. I think I got um, some people on the production side. Yeah. On my side yeah. in LA, I think we can. We can. Okay, you, know, you, you know, you know, I, I, I'm with you. And, and you know, um, I got the, I got the braid, so I could play you. Um, yeah, exactly. Could, yeah, Yo, I you know what's you. crazy? I signed a, I signed a deal with Legendary Films two mm. years ago, a television oh. deal with Legendary. They gave me a nice advance, Mac, and everything. And like maybe eight months ago, my agent called me. Was like, y'all got bad news. Legendary backed out of the deal. So my first question, because I'm I'm a, I'm a hustler and a cop. I don't know. I see you. I gotta give that bread back. He was like, Nah, you good. They backed <laughs> so like, out. So you good? Like I had to think about all the spots he spent the bread. Like, nah, yeah. Man. I was like, Yo, I gotta give that money back. He was like, Nah, you good. So I was like, Yo, okay. went to the next one. And um, you know, I got a crazy situation right now. We could talk offline, Mac. No, no. Yeah, there's definitely some shot. things, especially with us, like all of us in our own ways and forms yeah. are all in the film and no film. And okay. even my pops is in film. So it's like. Yo, I'm telling you, I got like a crazy, crazy situation right now. And I'm just like. Let's go. Let's, you talking to the, you in the right room. List attached to it. And Mac, Mac looking like he could play me as. That's <laughs> no, that was me. I said Let me that. Know. No, Let I, me I know. Fuck that. No, Mouse said that. I got the brain. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. I got the brain. <laughs> Mac got the, the brain. got the braids too. <laughs> so you know how to grow Mac, this thing Mac, out real quick. Mac, you gonna have Mac, you gonna have the fucking. <laughs> gonna I, have the I'm gonna just be. Brain, I'm gonna be. A, I'm gonna be a right hand man. <laughs> I know you had a right hand man. That's oh gonna, yeah, my man I, should do. Of course, <laughs> you know well, that. Well, listen, let's, let's not listen. Let's not hold it. You know, and I think I, let's jump into it. Um, first and foremost, where where in Queens are you from, and and, and how did uh how was that situation growing up? Yeah, the situation was good. Yo, you know what's crazy? I'm from I'm from Murdoch O'Connell Park. They call it Northside Queens. I'm from one nine eight in Murdoch. It's crazy because it's like a middle class neighborhood and it's just mm-hmm. one little strip there, like 198 Street to 200 at Murdoch. That's the only little strip. Everything else is all residential homes. So like growing up, it was chaotic. Like it's easy to sell drugs in the housing developments. You know, you got the rooftop, mm-hmm. you got the hallways, you got the courtyards, you can move around, you can boogie. It's it's hard selling drugs like, in the the like around <laughs> houses. It's, it's kind of hard, but we was able to do it. But at that time, you understand, man, in the 80s, which I believe was like the most violent decade, we didn't even really know. For like maybe a year or two, 
we didn't even have no guns. We just were selling drugs and making money. The cops was never around. We were walking around with a hundred vials of crack in our pocket. It was no like hiding in the garbage can, putting it in the gate. It was just mm-hmm. fun. It was just like really like me and my four homeboys. We was just having fun. Until one day we was in a game room where we used to hustle and somebody knocked like 10 o'clock at night, like, yo, let me get two, I need two. And my man Ren, you know, so he's one of the crew that chased the bread all the time. Always. Like, yo, I got, I got all this, bread. I got this. We know all bread, not good bread. And then the next thing we heard was pop, 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 pop. They shot at him. And uh, we was like, yo, this is real. Cause we was just like trying to get sneakers, money, chicks, and jewelry. That's all it was. We wasn't trying to, I was just trying to be supreme. I was just trying to get some bread. You know, I don't know if y'all ever ate a mayonnaise sandwich or had cereal with carnation. 200%. What? Over the, you know what I'm saying? Oh so my God. Why, it was like, why, why, I was just trying to, we were just trying to be fly. I mean, we were just trying to get a little bread. And then it just became like, yo, it started getting dangerous. And now everybody had to strap up. You know, my book, you know, I got a best-selling book right here called Once a Cop, award-winning book. I got pictures in this book. I got a picture of me um, 16 years old when I bought my first gun. And I bought that, yo, I bought that gun mouse for three three vials of crack. Mm. So Fiend was like, yo, he can't even see me. He was like, yo, I need three. So I was like, all right, that's $30. She was like, yo, I ain't got no money. I was like, yo, man, get out of here. He was like, yo, but I got this. And he showed me this little shiny 2-5 nickel plater. I was like, mm. took him to the back, like, yo, I'm going to give you three jumps for that. Let me see it. Took it out, dropped the clip. I was like, all right, you good. Here, gave him three jumps. And now... I was like empowered. I was good now. I actually was like the last one of my crew to get some heat. They had 38s. They had no, they was just I don't even know how they was getting them. He said it, he said it's so nonchalant. Like, yeah, yeah, I was the last one to get it. But you know, I got it. Like, yeah. Yeah, I had it though. I also feel like when we're younger, and I tell people this all the time, when you're younger and we doing dumb shit, we never look at the repercussions because it's just we young and we're not we're not afraid of it's not even in our mind to get shot and killed and stuff like that. We just young running around like this hoods that I would go to back in the day that I would never step foot in as an adult ever. Yeah. Like I look like I'm not going over there. Like, why won't you? We all used to be like, when we was kids, people wasn't really looking at us as, Oh, that's a little gangster. He 10, 11. Now mm-hmm. my mind works so many ways. Like, yo, somebody could get me here, there, there. And it's like, when we older, we think more and you know, we want educated on where we go and where we go. Yeah. I'm telling yeah, you, like, we didn't even realize the danger. You got to understand in the eighties, like, the mid to late 80s, it was like 2,000 homicides a year in New York City. You know how many homicides it was last year in New York City? It was less than 300. That was less than one person getting killed it, from going from four to five homicides a day to less than one person getting killed. Right. It was that dangerous, but we didn't even realize it. Like, Bodies was dropping, especially when I, when I got with the Supreme team. I was with a very violent conglomerate. You know, people was disappearing. Like, today, I know, they were I know all about them. My pops, are, my pops are red hooks. I know. So, you know, it was real dangerous. But when you're in this hustle mode, you can't, like, you either got to be in or out. You know, like, you see cops get locked up all the times. Because remember, you was young, you played cops and robbers. You mm-hmm. even played the cop or the robber. You can't do both. Like, people be trying to put two feet in. You either got to be the cop or you got to be the robber. You can't play both. So, well, having having a taste of both sides, how did you having a taste of both sides, and then also seeing how cops were, you know, how how, how cops were playing the other side. How did you decide, or, or what was that deciding factor? It was like, you know what, I did that, 
and I'm stay on this side now. Well, my first, I guess my first taste of corruption was pulling a car over and uh, <clears throat> had like forty, fifty thousand dollars in a duffel bag. And I was like, yeah, what's in the bag? He was like, I don't know, that's your bag. So I opened the bag, it was money in there. So I had this, a white partner. I looked over the car, he looked at me, my partner looked at me like, yo, let's get that, let's get that money. And I looked at him, I did the math real quick. Cause you know, I should sell drugs. I was like, mm-hmm. you know, $28,000 a year, you know, 20 years, like two, you know, whatever, you know, over a million dollars. We're gonna bust this 50 down. But the biggest deal with this is this might be a setup. Somebody yeah. just gonna just give me 50 like that? Nah. So I knew right then that I, again, remember this cops and robbers. So right then I, I, I became a cop. Like I yeah. could pride myself in saying like my whole 20 year, one year career, I never took anything. I was afraid to even take dinner. I was like, cause you can't really do that. You, you cops can't like take food, go to a restaurant and get free food and stuff. Like oh, they shit. would always I didn't know that. Yeah, shit. they that always give everywhere. cops food. But I was so nervous because of the lifestyle that I lived. And I thought they, you know, they wanted me. They ain't want me to have that job. So I would like give the owner at least a dollar and tell him, like, give me four quarters back. I got to show some money, monetary exchange here. You know what I'm saying? I was scared to death. I ain't even want the food. Like, here, give me four quarters. I got to look like I'm, I'm playing some bread. Uh, so I, I'm glad we have you because I think this will probably be the most in-depth uh, and well-rounded conversation we could probably have about a lot of the matters we want to talk about today. But the, the main thing I want to, or not the main, but the first thing I kind of want to get into is, um, I know I've been a huge proponent of it. Um, I remember it was probably, I think it was said on Combat's uh, podcast first. Is there a such thing as a good cop? Oh, yeah. Hmm. It's a lot of good cops. I- I'm going to tell you right now. Just think about it. Yo, it's funny. I get these questions all the time, but you got to understand it's the only profession in America where the citizens give you the light on um, the right to take a life. If deadly physical force is being used against you and someone else, that means eminently, if you see somebody getting murdered or somebody's trying to murder you, they give you the right to kill. So it's a heavy responsibility. Now, every cop not built to be a cop. Some need to go to McDonald's. So the, the, weed, out, <laughs> the weed out process got to be serious because you're talking about cops are the gatekeepers to the criminal justice system, meaning we start the process. So you think about when y'all was like 19 to 20 years old, you go to training for six months, somebody gave you a gun and a shield and was like, yo, go conquer the world. You live home mm-hmm. with your mother, you're living in the basement, you never had a relationship, your first job, you downtown Brooklyn, whatever, mm-hmm. on Fulton Street, six foot five male black frothing at the mouth, he butt naked and he's like, yo, I'm gonna kill you right now. Like, you got handled that. Like, right now, all you have is six months training. And you know, I'm always advocating, like, nobody should be a cop unless they've been punched in the face. If you've never been punched in your face, you're going to have to pull your gun out because you don't know how to Yo, fight. You got to you know go to get gun. <laughs> you know what's funny? I, I always I always tell, I, when I was on, um, <clears throat> when I was on the show, when I was on 90210, I used to tell all of the guys and the girls on that show, I'm like, yo, I have a theory about life. I feel like, there are two different types of people in the world. There are people who uh, there are people who kind of just you know live life. Things kind of happen for them. Life is good. And then there's people who've been punched in the face. Mm-hmm. Who I was like, if you've been punched in the face before, <laughs> uh, and I think everybody on this podcast has. Um, if you've been punched in the face before, there's a certain uh, my shit done got rocked. 
yo, there's a certain <laughs> thing that Oof. happens in your head when you get punched in the face where if you don't die or you don't want none at all. There's only two things you either, think. No, either, like, I'm either going way, to get this nigga or... Like, well, either way, you know it's not the end of the world. Like, you learn, you learn uh, how big things are. I ain't gonna you hold you, man. People who... This nigga hit me, bro. I thought it was the end of the world. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I don't know what Mac talking about. The times when I got really Mac, I, no, no, Mac, no, but I thought saying, it was like all you, going I'm down. Saying, like, once you, Mac, once the day I went, the Mac, day. the way Mac, the day I went down that line, that nigga hit me, bro. And I said, huh? Oh no, 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 bro. Trust me. I, whether I, it was whether it was lost your hearing. Fight. Whether it was an actual fight, whether it was me in wrestling and one of those white boys hit me with one of those overhands and they tried to grab me and, and everything is ringing, you see fucking stars and shit. It get real white. It gets, re- it gets real. It's really bright. It's really that's bright. Why I think I, I that's why much. I think I don't like white. That's why I think I hate white people so much. <laughs> when you got beat up, that's all you their saw. Skin, their skin reminds me of that light for getting snuffed. Hey, oh, that's, why, that's why y'all gotta read my book because I tell a story about how I got rocked as a cop. I need that. This dude, he rocked me. He was, I was like, yo, I'm beefing with this domestic violence case. So it was domestic violence. They called me and my partner there. It's the end of the tour. Me and my partner, it's like 10 minutes to the tour. I'm like, yo, it's time to get out of here. We got no backup. Nobody's going at the end. Everybody's trying to go mm-hmm. home. So this dude is like, you punk-ass police, you punk-ass. I'm like, yo, chill, man. He's like, you punk-ass police. I said, man, you see a punk, punch a punk. That dude knocked me <laughs> <laughs> And that was funny when he was in my weight class. He hit me. He rocked me with an overhand right. Like, bah! I said, oh, shit. So now, this is crazy because today... You would, somebody would have probably killed him. Oh, yeah. Me and my partner, I wasn't even thinking. All I could think was, I'm about to break this dude's jaw. I gotta beat his and, ass. Yeah, right. And, but then the whole family turned on us. The wife he was fighting with was on our back. Now we in a situation, we was holding our guns. We trying to hold on to our guns. I'm like, yo, hold your gun, boy, hold your gun. And they beating each other. Neighbors coming out the apartment. It took about five <laughs> minutes for backup to come. You know what five minutes is? Uh, fight minutes. Yes. Is, is oh, five fight minutes. Fight uh, five minutes is, a, is really t- yo of a, a heavyweight, a, a heavyweight bout. Yeah. That is three minutes around. I always, I always five minutes. I always categorize five minutes. Five minutes, five minutes of like fighting minutes and in a man's mind, sex minutes. I always compare those. Like, <laughs> you think we doing 70, oh, it's an hour, you look at the clock, it's just 15 minutes, you're like, damn. I ain't gonna hold you. I was going you. crazy. I ain't gonna hold you. I last way we longer in the fight. <laughs> <laughs> you can say, you bitch, you might as well. Bitch, you better off fighting me, bitch. You <laughs> thought that five-minute fight was long. <laughs> I got this five minutes of bed is so much shorter. Nah, it's so much shorter. Five, my five minutes, honey, honey, pack me. <laughs> yo, yo. No, uh, the reason the reason I asked that question is because I am one of the proponents. You know, I am one of the upcoming voices in the, in the culture to discuss this a lot. Um, about you know. My issue with saying, you know, there's a good cop is do we ever say that it's a good McDonald's worker? Do we ever say it's a good 
firefighter, we ever say is a good, like someone who essentially does their job. Um, are we are we calling good cops good cops because of the bad cops? And if we are doing that, then how are we calling any cop a good cop if bad cops exist? Oh yeah, that's deep. That's super deep right there. But it is so. I always equate. This is what I equate. So the stigma with police and why people hate them is because they shoot and kill people, right? Mm-hmm. The number one profession who kill people are doctors every day. Doctors killing people right now while we doing this, the emergency room. You know when we go to the emergency room, we ain't the real doctor. It's the student. They ain't there practicing on surgery. Wow. And they're not like purposely killing you, but they killing people with malpractice every single day. But nobody hates the doctors. Their numbers is crazy. So let's just say like last year in New York City, the cops killed three people. Three people, but they had eight million contacts. Like, people don't contextualize this. This is crazy. Like, sometimes cops going to make some mistakes. George Floyd, that was crazy. Mm -hmm. That was super crazy. George Floyd was super duper crazy. But when you're looking at, like, you know, even, like, Eric Garner, like, they should have been able to stop that. You know what I'm saying? With all of those cops there. But, again, like, we're talking right now. Cops are pulling people over, they're arresting. There's millions and millions of stops a day. But if the cop does one thing, every cop in America got an answer for that. That's crazy. A doctor kills somebody, and nobody cares about that. So it's a heavy responsibility. That's why it's important and imperative for these police departments to ensure that they really drill down on the backgrounds. And I think policing is going to be a lot better within like the next 10 years because of this thing right here. I promise you that. Because all of these kids that's like 16, 17, they're on these racist sites. They're doing all of this crazy talk right now. Mm. They're part of Proud Boys and stuff. And then they're going to wake up and be 25 and say, all right, I'm going to stop playing. I want to get a job. But this is going to come back to haunt them. So, like, when I became a cop, they didn't know I was selling drugs and I was, was working no social with media. the most family teams. Yeah. They didn't have all yeah. of this. So they was knocking on doors. They knocked on my neighbor's doors. My neighbor, they told me. They was like, yo, the police came and you trying to be a cop? I was like, yeah. They was like, yeah, we said all the right things. But they couldn't They couldn't dot the I's and cross the T's. But remember, I had, like, three years and eight months. I left. So they thought I was a good boy because I was in the Army. Right. So they yeah. didn't think I was three and a half years from shooting somebody. But they they couldn't figure it out. What is that? What is that? Uh, what's that first day like in boot camp? Because I, I remember I, I went which, to the Navy. Hold on, but let's say which which boot camp are you talking about? Well, he went Police to army or? in the army. Yeah. Oh, in the army. Okay. In the army, because you come straight out the hood. You come from you know you come from getting fly, getting money, doing what you want. You was running the town. You running with one of the biggest teams out at the time. You go into the army. That's stark. That's stark difference. You got to cut your hair. Um, you waking up at, at, at 5 a.m. Reveille, Reveille, it's time to get out there mm-hmm. on the march. What is that first day like uh, uh, well, for you? That first that first day for me, it's funny you said that. Two weeks before I left, Supreme and Bimmy walked me into a Jamaican weed spot, gave me a nine millimeter pistol and ordered me to murder somebody. So that first day in boot camp was like, well, let me back up. Nobody even knew I was going. I sold drugs all the way up to October 17th, 1987. Because you can't, I couldn't <laughs> even tell them that I was leaving. And I just disappeared. I left four in the morning. 
I was the happiest person in the military. They asked me to give him 25 push-ups. I gave him 50 because <laughs> I didn't have this monkey on my back no more. Miles. You got to understand, when you, oh, were yeah. you weren't about the stick-up kid, you weren't about the police, you weren't about your girlfriend setting you up. You shit. Your mother might, if she strung out, she might set you up. So every I had to play the wall, you know, left, right, front. You can't run up on me. You know, I was a cop. They'd be like, why you would play the ball, the wall? You play the wall. I'm like, these kids, they middle management geeks. They don't get it. You can't mm-hmm. left, right, and front. That's it. You ain't you can't run up behind me. You know what I'm saying? So when I was in the army, I was relieved. I never forget, I made like $630 a month. I was making that in couple of hours. E1, was, oh, E1, yeah, that's that E1 pay. $200,000 a week. So the money, it wasn't even about the money because in the military, everybody wearing BDUs, everybody eating the same meals. It wasn't none. I'm running around in the military with big diamond chains on and stuff because I had all my jewelry and stuff, but it, it wasn't even necessary. I was happy. I was so happy that I wasn't living that lifestyle. And two weeks after I went to the military, the feds took the Supreme team down. Two mm. weeks later, and two months after that, that's when they killed the cop on the South Side. About Burns, right? Yeah, that yeah. Burns. changed the whole game of, you know. So, so when you enter the police, if you if you look at Max uh, screen, you'll see my <laughs> my uh, see my boot camp. Yeah, that's. <laughs> yeah, I see. Think, yeah, it's just funny the niggas you call your brothers, right? It's funny. It's funny the niggas you call your brothers. I'm posting. Post- <laughs> Post one of the fat ass nine hundred two one zero pictures. <laughs> hey. I probably got paid more than you did for that. Def- no, it's not. Pro- it's not probably. It's definitely. <laughs> you remember he said six? I, I was making six hundred thirty dollars in that picture right there. Six hundred thirty dollars. Oh, <laughs> I hated it. This um, is a great picture, by the way. This is you, this is uh, like. Could you go back to your other page? Can you, okay, can all that? right. I'm sorry. Thanks. I'm sorry. I got you. I got you. I got you. Yeah. Hang, hang, hang yourself, too, while you're at it. <laughs> <laughs> not, not, all, not all the way. You have a family. Just a little. Uh, a little, um, little smidge. Oh. A little smidge. Um, okay. So you were a police officer through a lot of errors, right? You, you, you were a police officer during the Giuliani years. Um, so the broken window policing, um, policies, um, you also are, you see Abner Louima, Sean Bell, um, I mean, Eric Garner, all the way to Eric Garner. Um, so just NYPD specifically, what is it like for you in the, like, while this is happening? Like, what is, is there an internal struggle while being a police officer, seeing what's happening. Oh, yeah, it's definitely an internal struggle. So you got to understand, for me, in 1976, my mother made me watch this five-part series called Roots. And I was affected ever since I watched that. I was affected. I was bust out Brown versus Board of Ed. I had to be bust out to um, a school in Bayside, Queens. And every day, these white guys chased us to the bus with bats and sticks. It was like, yo, I don't even know why they chasing us. It was like, but you got to run to the bus. So I was affected on how white people treated me. So off the rip, when I came into policing, it was like, listen, I'm doing things my way. So I always I always went to the beat of my drum. Like a lot of black and brown officers, they go along to get along. 
I didn't have to go along to get along. Like my friends today, I was, we in 40 some years in, I always hung out with my friends that, you know, that I grew up with. I ain't want no new friends because new friends, man, I had to go to these policies, these police functions and stuff. All I did, it was eight hours and out for me. I mean, you know, unless I made a rest, made some collars for dollars. Other than that, I wasn't really part of what y'all know is that subculture, that blue wall. That's what they talk about. Right, that blue right, wall, right. That subculture. I wasn't a part of it. I didn't play no jokes. Like, I don't want to be joking about nothing. For why did the chicken cross the road? None of that. They couldn't play none of that with me because once I leave the room, the joke is going to be on me. So mm-hmm. I didn't even play black jokes, white jokes. I was so focused on just taking care of my family that uh, it just became a job for me. And it was real easy for me because I was like so close to the streets. Little stuff like, you know, with see four kids on the corner and be like, yo, you got to give the corner. Be like, yo, son, I ain't going to win. The, the cop would be like, yo, I'm not your son. And I'm like, yo, calm down. It's the lingo. <laughs> that's, that's how they <laughs> Okay, calm down. <laughs> so, you know, all of that, you know, like I worked in Queensbridge. So like Nas, Tragedy, Eric B, all of these, Cormac, all of these dudes. I like knew all of these dudes when they was young and coming up. And they all would be like, yo, you a cop? Like how you became a cop? Because they could just see with the mannerisms I could adapt and overcome. You know what I'm saying? Right, right. So it was, it was pretty easy for me to navigate through. And I now, on the other side. Now, what was there any pushback when when like some of these policies were coming down? Like stop and frisk, right? Stop and frisk comes out. Are you are you fighting it? Are you going against it? Stop like, and, yo, uh, Mouse, correct me if I'm wrong. Stop and frisk started like late, like what was that like? Early, that was like 91? Like 94. 94. 94. 94. Oh, 94. 94. Yeah. So when that comes out, what, what what is your stance as a police officer? So stop questioning Frisk. It's always been on the books. So just think about it. So I'll break it down in layman's term. It's like the um, the tennis player that got beat up in, in the hotel. Remember? Mm-hmm. I forgot his name. Yeah. The black guy. Blake James Blake, right? Somebody came up and said, hey, that guy robbed me. So your expectation is you will want a cop, if you said that guy robbed me, you will want them to go over there, stop, question, and or frisk him, right? That would mm-hmm. be your expectation because you're saying, yo, that guy, that guy, mouse just went, that him right there, he robbed me. So the cop's going to stop, question, and or frisk. So when we first was doing, you got to understand, prior to 94, we wasn't even doing anything. It was a reactive department. Somebody got mm-hmm. shot. We showed up, put the yellow tape, and we left. But when this whole stop question of frisk came, somebody jumped to turnstile. We stopped him like, yo, you just, you ain't paid. Come in. Like, what's your name? You know, we run this name. Boom, wanted for rape. Say, like, oh, shit. Wanted for homicide. Wow. So in the beginning, it was paying so many dividends, and it wasn't like throwing people against the wall. But what happens in any political spectrum Everybody wants more and more and more. Like when we first you start started, the, yeah, you start it, the radical right, radicalism starts. Exactly. Yeah. We were stopping maybe fifteen thousand people a year, and we was getting a twenty five percent decrease in crime. Now, fast forward to two thousand and seven, they stopped seven hundred and fifty thousand people. It was like a two percent decrease in crime, and nobody is saying, "Yo, the math," because everything is numbers. The math right. don't work. The math isn't working, but. Every mayor, every police commissioner, 
It's squeezing, squeezing, squeezing. And then that's how you don't bridge that gap between community and police. And it gets more of a divide. Then you get the Eric Garner for a Lucy cigarette. You get Sean Bell coming out of the strip club, just walking to his car. You get Abner Lewima just going into his doorway, turning, pulling the key, taking his wallet out. You know, because that pressure, that pressure. That's, that's, that's Amadou. That's Amadou. Amadou Diallo, yeah. Amadou, yeah. Abner Lewima was the guy that was sodomized. Yeah. Sodomized, exactly. So the more pressure, the more, if you keep putting pressure on, yes, it's going to explode. And if I throw 100 people against the wall, am I going to find a gun in Brownsville? Of course. But I'm going to piss off 99 people that don't have a gun. And I illegally stopped questioning and frisked them. But nobody was checking that. And so for as far as me, you know, I would have to go to these crime strategy meetings as a commander and they would beat the mess out of me at the podium about stop questioning frisk. So I took his stands and I told my cops, I said, listen, if it's there, if it's legitimate, stop them. No problem. I have no problem with that. If you don't see nothing, let me deal with the heat. And boy, did they bring the heat to me. But I will always articulate to the chief, like, listen, there's nobody there to stop. They have this mentality that if somebody gets shot, stop everybody. And I would tell them, like, I don't know if y'all know, but when people shoot somebody, they usually don't stay around. (laughs) (laughs) And I wanted to say, like, when we shot people, we got low. (laughs) Imagine a concept. (laughs) Yes, but that's what they would do. They would say, hey, if there's a shooting or a robbery, there's a dragnet. Let's grab everybody. Now we could question everybody. Yo, mouse, who you saw? Yo, fly, who you saw? Macwai, who you saw? Nah, that don't work because you're not really stopping them legitimately. Do you think yeah. there's ever going to be uh, an actual relationship between a black community? And, and I mean, you can only speak towards New York. We live in New York. Well, I, we're from New York. I still live here. Um, Max still lives here as well. We all pay um, bills. We all pay bills in New York. Cut you. Yeah. Do you, do you, I'm just saying, <laughs> you're you LA. Let's you an LA nigga, bro. Nigga, um, nigga, been home in months. <laughs> you, you say here, you hear Richmond, nigga. Now, <laughs> wow. wow. What, what I'm, what I'm saying wow. is, do you ever think well, the, the the black community and NYPD will ever have that uh that relationship that the 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 public uh, the 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 PSAs used to show us in, after school, nah, like with so, an actual listen, uh, it, actual relationship? It, actually, it could actually happen. And believe it or not, there's a very harmonious relationship in in these precincts. But what it is, is it's cop lovers in every precinct. But the relationship you're talking about is like the street relationship. Yep. Those are the fractured relationship. But to every community, there's people that love the cops. It, it just is what it is. I would just be amazed. Like They would think like the cops could do no wrong. And I'm a commander and I would be standing there telling them like, yo, that cop messed up. I got him. You'll never see him on patrol again. And they would be like, oh, well, Commander, he's a really nice guy. Like, some of them have drunk the juice. It is what it is. But we can't fix the relationship. But it's a paramilitary organization, meaning the the orders go top down, not bottom up. So if you have a mayor, right? Just use our old President Trump. If you have a president that's going to put a Jeff Sessions as your attorney general, what do you think they're going to do for your community? Not oh, going to wow. do anything. But what I think we could borrow from Trump is, you remember he was running? He said, the conservatives told him, give me a list of 25 judges you're going to choose. Yo, this was the most ingenious thing ever done as a president. He compiled a list of 25 judges. 
is this is the list that I'm going to come for? And the conservatives say, we got you. And they got his ass in office. You know every judge he compiled, he chose from? That list. I'm like, wow. Imagine we do that. Like, New York City is a mayoral run right now. My yep. main man, one of my very good friends, Eric Adams, is running. Eric already, Adams, yeah. I already mm-hmm. threw him five fundraisers. Listen, Eric, who's the five people that you're considering for police commissioner? I don't, no surprises the day that they get promoted. Like, that's what we should be doing around the country. You got to hold people's feet to the fire. Like, who's the five names for commissioner? Who's the five people for school chancellor? Who the five for sanitation? So now we're educated voters. Because we know, because now we vet those five and we say, hey, we rank them however we rank them. And we like them more, say, yo, can't go wrong. You know, we like four out of the five. We got to go with them. But the other yeah. candidate give you five names and all five Jeff Sessions, he not getting our vote. You know what I'm saying? Like, that's how we got to lock people. That's how the relationship is going to be better because you're going to put people that got your best interest. You can't have people that don't have your best interest trying to police you because they're going to come through and do whatever they want to do. And I'm also an advocate for the first five years New York City residency requirement. Mm-hmm. I don't mind five years. After five Please years. Please elaborate on that. Yeah, after five years, I don't mind people moving to Long Island. I live in Long Island, but uh, my first 10 years, I didn't. But it's cool because you don't want to be like with your wife and kids after, you know, like five, six years. And now you're a pathmark and you've seen the dude that you locked up for a shooting or had a fight with. But if you get those first five years, now they can, you know, they can see, smell and taste the city, you know, because it's a melting pot. It's, it's yeah. minorities everywhere. They're not driving 50 miles away going back to their home, causing, coming and causing havoc where we live at. You know what I'm saying? So I think it should be a five-year residency requirement, but that's a whole New York State charter law and everything. But it, could, it could happen. The Democrats got the House, the Senate, and, and, and the governorship in New York. They could do what they want to do. Yeah, hopefully do the right... I mean, I'm not even going to say hopefully at this point because uh, we've all been here long enough to know... <laughs> We all know. <laughs> uh, I want to know. I want to know what was that relationship like with all the people from the old hood. Once they see you in your Ooh. blues, once they see you as, you know, uh, and, and I basically because now you're a police officer. What they consider not, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so, yo, it's cool. Like, for me, it was all good. Because, like, when I was in the Army, like, my man June, he was locked up in, in Baltimore. He would write me letters like, yo, bro, you made it. Like, my my team, my friends of my friends, they was just happy. Like, yo, you made it. Like, it was never no jealousy or envy. I never had those problems because when I was in, I was in. Like I told you, you can't play cops and rob. Like, when I was a robber, I was in. I was all in. And then now I became grown and made decisions. You know, at 17, I had two kids six months apart, a son in in Brooklyn and a daughter in Queens. It was like, yo, this ain't about me no more. Like, yo, I can't do, if you're selling drugs, I'm telling you, even today or when I was out there, you do five years and you're not dead or in jail, you real lucky. You're going to have to escape. You lucky. So I was lucky enough to escape, you know, carrying guns. You know, I got locked up once, but you know, we put some pressure on, dude never came to court. I was able to escape that, you know what I'm saying? So I just, you know, I think, you know, my mother died when I was like 17. I think she was been my guardian angel, man. Like things just fell in place for me. 
But I still, I get a whole bunch of her love. I go through, they like, yo, OG, OG. You know, I still go through the park once in a while. Boop, boop, little peace sign. <laughs> <laughs> I'm out. I'm out, you know. But uh, nah, I, the hood love is all good, man. Because I ain't never burned nobody, man. All you got is your name, like Scarface saying, your balls, man. You can't break them for nothing. For you know, nobody. that's all you got as a man. You know what I'm saying? And so I always did what was right, man. Uh, I got a question for you. So I know you were talking about back um, when it was like almost your last day of being in the streets and they asked you to kill somebody. And in your mind, you was going to the army, but you knew this was your time to get out. Like, it was just too much. Like, they gave me a gun. They told me to do this. If I don't do this, it's going to be me. The only thing I can do is, is lead a state and go lead a country, go do my military shit, and hopefully they'll understand that. Was there ever a time when you was on the force when you was like, I can't do this shit no more? Like, I, I love being a cop, but the way they work in this organization or the way they doing this to my people, like, I just got to get up out of here. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. Yo, that's a great. Nobody even ever asked me that question. But for me, I was so motivated because remember, so like the first organization I ever worked for was the Supreme Team. It was a highly structured organization. People don't realize when I worked for the Supreme Team, they gave us shifts. We worked eight in the morning to four in the afternoon, four to midnight, midnight to eight in the morning. And we got paid on Fridays. It was a well-run machine. Then I go to the military, and it was the same thing. You had to answer to the sergeants, the generals, the captains. So, so I already knew where power lied. So in order to affect change, you got to be in a power position. So mm-hmm. the police department, no matter how jaded I was about some of the things I saw, I said, if I put myself in the position, make power, now I run the whole shop. And I was able to do that after like 12 years. I made captain. It was just like now. I got the juice and I'm not putting my juice in the refrigerator. I'm like Trump. I'm drinking my juice. I'm drinking it all. I'm not leaving none of that juice. I'm not leaving A-O-Q. none of that juice. That shit is crazy. <laughs> but that's uh, crazy. Okay, so I, I was motivated, you know what I'm saying, to affect change. Like, you know, because you know what? I tell these young boys all the time if we're not a part of it, guess who's, guess who's gonna get the gigs? You know, like my daughter's a cop, my nephew's a cop, you know what I'm saying? They got houses, white, you know, white picket fence, two cars. They doing good, you know what I'm saying? Like, we can't just say that we don't want nothing to do with the police. No, the more of us are in there, the more we can affect change, and then we can work in our communities and treat people the way we want them to be treated. You can't run from it. Yeah, that's a, that's a fact. How do you keep that on, 
how do you keep that 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 optimism, right? How do you keep that optimism you just spoke with? Like, you're the first police officer that I've heard say that that I actually believe it. Where, where that that optimism is real, where you know that we can affect this change. I think only you and Edwin Edwin Raymond I've heard say speak about that, and I actually believe that y'all believe it. How do we really make it something achievable? Make it achievable by numbers. We got to put the numbers in it, but it's not just us. We're going to need help at the top. But that's why we, how New York City Police Department been in existence since 1845. And we had two black police commissioner, Benjamin Ward and downtown Brown. Like how, how, you know, so we need help at the top. No matter how, how we get, we got to be in power positions. So the only way, like we're hoping and praying that Eric Adams could win the mayoralship. And I'm not saying take a I'd black paintbrush. would love to see the borough brush. president do it. Right. Not just, I'm not saying take a black paintbrush and paint it, but my expectation, because I know him for so long, I mean, actually me and him got promoted to captain together. We was in 100 blacks in law enforcement together. So we've been in the street for a long time trying to help out people. So my expectation, he comes in, it's going to be, it's going to be changed. Like well, now we're going to be in some, he's going to put qualified people in power positions. That's going to make sure they treat everybody, treat everybody fair. Because I'm going to tell you right now, I can name 50 black cops. I don't want to come to my house because they drunk all that blue juice. They drink it. I don't want to come But on the flip side, I can name 50 white guys who I definitely want the first ones to drop at the scene. You know what I'm saying? So yeah. it's really just how like people treat people. And I, I I was always an advocate. I would turn out roll call and say, hey, because everybody, this new term that everybody talk about, implicit bias, implicit bias. Everyone has implicit. Like, I don't eat red meat or pork. None of y'all can't make me eat it. It's not going to happen. I'm never going to eat it. It's my implicit bias. But I'm not going to, like, put it on you because I don't eat it. Like, if I don't like white people, I don't like them. You ain't going to make me like them. I don't care how much training you give me. It don't matter. But for me, it was like, I don't care if you don't like black people. That's cool. If you got a hood in your house, fine. But you better not pull it out while you working here, especially <laughs> when I'm in charge. Mm-hmm. Because you're going to have to, I'm the attitude adjuster. Because remember, like Fly said, now I had the power. So now mm-hmm. I'm the attitude adjuster. So mm-hmm. if we, we don't get in the power position, you can't change the attitudes. I don't know if this is breaking any rules. I actually hope it is. And I hope you can do it. Can you tell me, is there a time you could tell us where you had to adjust the attitude? Adjust the attitude. Where you had to ring a motherfucker when, in. When keeping it real goes wrong. Do you have one of those street stories where somebody thought? <laughs> well, they thought, when, I first took over, when I first took over the 6-7 precinct, <clears throat> the chief came to me like three days later and was like, gave me a, a fold and said, you got to change. He's a black chief. He said, look, I need you to look at this white guy right here. He got six complaints. He only got two years on the job and they're all false. He hitting people with sticks and all that. So my first thing is like, damn, how I get it? How the old dude get this? How y'all going to dump this in my lap? No problem. So I sat him down, young Irish cop. So I said, hey, Bobby, what's going on? So ain't nothing. I said, I'm looking at your folder. You got six complaints. Most cops don't even get two or three complaints in 20 years. You got six and, and they're all use of force. And you know what he told me? He said, boss, I'm going to be honest with you. I really didn't understand the people when I got here. So I already knew what he was saying. Like, he was afraid 
of black people. Mm-hmm. And they sent him to East Flatbush, Brooklyn. Mm-hmm. He lived in like exit 70 in Long Island. Y'all already know how deep that is. That he never is had with black people. So he was coming there like, yo, not a lot of times it's not even that racist. He's so scared. And if you say anything to him, he was just wilding. So I just told him, and it's simple. Sometimes you just, it's called verbal judo. It's like just talking to people. So I sat him down. I said, hey, Bobby, you know those people that you hit? They look like me. So you know I'm in charge now, right? You ain't going to be running around here black and brown people. So I grabbed a sergeant. I said, hey, sergeant, come here, Sergeant Smith. This your new assignment. This your new driver. Every time he fuck up, you're going to have to deal with me. And that's how I changed his attitude. Ended up, the guy ended up being one of my best cops, but his attitude changed. He had no more complaints. I put him in different positions because I rewarded him for listening and actually started going out there and doing the job the right way. But nobody talked to him. Like, nobody talked to these people. They just put the cops out, like, tell you, you got post this, post that. People, you know, just like Pantaleo killed Eric Garner. You see, he got 15 complaints. Yeah. Right. He's been sued for a million dollars. Yeah. What the hell he running around in Staten Island with playing clothes on and he got all these complaints. Like nobody sits him down. It's like it's like George Floyd. Derek Chauvin kills George Floyd. He got 18 years on the job. He was in three police involved shootings in Minnesota. Three police involved shooters. One person he killed. And the day he killed George Floyd, he's the training officer. How does that happen? How does he even, and got a black he even get, it's like how does he even get that position? That that's crazy. So uh, switching gears a little bit, right? You, you, in your career, you've done a lot of things. Um, and, and also as a, as a police officer, you, uh, as, as you're saying, you know, you, you've done, you've made strides that have, that can hopefully plant our, our seeds planted to make things better. Right. But of course, nothing that we do is ever acknowledged the right way. Right. Everybody always looking at us the wrong way. So like, Shit like the NY Post calling you, saying that you're a disgraced officer and calling you a gangster cop. Like, can you talk to us a little bit about the fallout uh, from uh, from every like the post from, from the post and the Daily News and what everybody was saying? Yeah. So you know, after I did, God bless the dead, my man Reggie O.C. and my man Ed Woods. Y'all probably know Ed Woods. He was my yeah. Yep. So. When I ended up on the front page of the, the New York Post, they called me a thug cop. I was kind of pissed because they didn't put a slash between the two because I used to be a thug and then I became a cop. <laughs> so they were trying to portray me as this thug cop. I never was that. I never did anything bad or else I wouldn't have never met the president of the United States. You know what I'm saying? I would. They would have never took me and say, we want you to meet Barack Obama. So... But I knew what it was. It was the white boys. I already knew what it was. It was the racism. Because anybody else that did had such an illustrious career, instead of looking at me as like the preeminent role model that y'all say, we can't go into black and brown communities and recruit people. Nobody wants to be a cop. I could go and stand down in the Bronx. I could go anywhere into a hood, talk to them, say, yo, fellas, I'm telling you, this is the way. Let's get this bread, $100,000 a year, and you get to carry a gun. Let's go. Let's get this money. I did it. You could do it. Instead of channeling, you know, channeling that and saying, hey, we're going to bring this. This is a real, true American success story. They went the opposite direction, but it mm-hmm. actually backfired on them because of, you know, all this stuff. You know, I ended up, you know, signing a major book deal with Simon and yep. Schuster. I got a documentary showing at film festivals right now. I'm on the verge of a major television deal. So it was all for me. Where, where you going to put the guys next door in the show? 
Don't forget about it. No, Mouse, you ain't got to say nothing. You know me. The notes is already taken. For me, it was more like I hurt my family because my family was like, my wife, I'll never forget. She was like, listen, it's not all about you. Like, you running around here trying to get this book deal. Now we got to deal with this bullshit. Mm. And because I was so focused, because I'm like, yo, I'm not scared of them. They don't mean anything to me. <laughs> like, my whole life was a hustle. I was a hustle. Then I was in the army, I hustled that. Then I was a cop, I hustled that. Now my career was over. I'm like, I'm about to hustle with some books and try to get some TV deals. So I wasn't even focused on none of this hate that they're doing. But I didn't think about the collateral damage, you know, for my family had to deal with that. But, you know, God willing, you know, we was able to overcome it after a few bumps in the road. You know what I'm saying? And then once my book dropped, it was like nobody had nothing else to say because now I told a story. I actually told us, and that was all about me saying, I know the guy that killed Eddie Byrne. That was really what that whole thing was about. Wow. That's really what it was about, Matt. That's that's really what it was about. And, and I also feel like that stems from, like you said, not growing up with a father. You you was always a you first mentality. Mm-hmm. So when you was in the streets, it was about you. It wasn't about anybody else. When you was in the military, it was about a you thing. When you was a cop, it was about a you thing. But once you step up and say certain things and it becomes a family thing, yeah, you might not be scared that some cops or some government official running your crib or some gangster that kill you from the past because you, you. But right. it's your daughter who's walking on the street right. who's not even aware of James that you beat up in 85 mm-hmm. who comes and says, oh, that's such and such daughter. And it's like, we're not aware of the things that we put people because of what we've done. Right. So that, but, but I, I definitely understand what you're saying. Now you know you're in a now you are in this um crack documentary, which honestly, um I mean Oh y'all I, I saw probably, crack? That's yeah, come on, come on, that ain't gonna play now. Come on, you know, it got, come on now. Crack that's crack. That that now you you're in this crack documentary, which I think is probably the best documentary about the subject that I've seen. That, um that yeah. second Great. to second to uh Second, I, I, yeah, I, second, I, second to a cops to and robbers story. Second to a cops and robbers story. My document. Let's do it. No, we got it. Exactly. So, so we ready on the wall. Wait, so, wait, wait, wait one second. Mom. Yeah, yeah, put it out. Yeah. So, um, so in that documentary, you're talking about, um, the document itself is about the the ramifications of crack and what it did to the black community. As a police officer, then and now, what? What is what is that assessment that you now have looking back on it? Yo, so for me, you know, it was it was both worlds, and I was living it. So when I'm looking at, did y'all see all that footage in there? I'm like, where, yeah. where did Stanley Nelson get all this damn? Well, that, that I think the one that affected me the most, I think it was in LA when when they kicked down the door and, and they the take. Room. Boy. They take the, the and the little boy screaming, "Don't take my mama! Don't take my yeah. mama! Don't take my mama!" Uh, between that, between that and, and that, that 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 fucking that that white doctor bitch that was sending all the black mothers up, that was crazy. like that. Those were the two things that like stuck out the worst to me. So like, so I can it imagine brought, you, so, it yeah. brought so many memories back to me. One, it, it it like really solidified what I wrote about and talked about how the cops they weren't around when I was selling drugs. I mean, I got caught with 300 vials of crack in Baisley Park. Just read up. Fresh pack, 300 vials. Cop snatched me, took the bag, said, yo, who your boss? I said, Bimmy. 
He was like, yo, tell your boss I did you a favor. Do me the bag. Rockefeller Lords, I'm still in jail. I'm still in jail. This is like 85. I'm still in jail right now today with all of that. So they wasn't doing anything. So I run to his house. He's like, yo, get it back out there, man. Yo, you know, we're giving them $15,000 a week. I'm like, because remember that I talked a little while ago. I was there for sneakers, jewelry, and honey. I'm like, yo, we paying these dudes $15,000 a week? So it's open air market. It was just crazy. So I'm watching this documentary. You, y'all know, you know, Mac, you know, I just did my interview. I didn't know how it was going to be edited or whatever. So I'm mm-hmm. looking at this like I didn't know about the nurse. You know, I run Contra. I knew about it, but yeah. didn't know about it until I saw this video. I'm like, wow. Like the government was really involved. Could you hear people say the government was involved? But once you look at crack, it's like really opens you your eyes. You can see it. You can see it. That was crazy. So, I mean, that documentary, I was just, you know, blessed to be a part of it, that they, you know, they called me to be a part of it. And, you know, I wasn't turning down Netflix. That wasn't even an option. To <laughs> rappers, rappers say Netflix is chill, not FX is chill. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Talk yeah. about it. Listen. Fucking with Snowfall, I'd be FX and chilling like a motherfucker. Yo, I'm on, <laughs> FX, I'm on FX February 12th and Hulu in the uh, new documentary, um, Hip Hop Uncovered. It's crazy. Oh, I've heard about that. I've heard about the Hip Hop Uncovered joint. Be so, I'm, I, well, you know, we're going to be tuning in that. I do want to ask this question because you spoke. This is a question I've always had. It's like an idea I've always wanted to do some type of content around. Um, you spoke about you want to get into the game for for sneakers, honeys, and um and, and jewelry. So and you got the sneakers, you got the jewelry. Of course, you got the girls. But at that time, growing up, when crack is just hit in the streets, did you ever lose a honey or a girl that you really cared about to crack? And when I say lose, I don't like she's still alive. Mm-hmm. Now she a crackhead. Nah, we that's 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 almost like watching like uh nah we only missed we only had dimes, baby. We had dimes like no 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 I'm saying yeah yeah you had them, but like you know they they you what what what's your neighbor neighborhood neighbor nobody I like dealt with started smoking crack. Okay, okay, okay. Like educated women. You know what I'm saying? There was no use for me dealing with the street chicks. They they couldn't do nothing for me. So, but I know a whole bunch of women that got to the crack. Like in that crack documentary, I said, yo, you catch them like when they first start smoking, it was good. Mm-hmm. When they got all the way cracked up. <laughs> nah, anyway, anyway. That first couple of weeks? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Month? Yeah. It's all right. You know, it devastated our communities, man. And I, I ain't going to lie, and I'm telling y'all, and I'm being honest and transparent, that like, I don't really feel so good about it because I contributed to putting the poison in the, you know, and our community, but I could feel good and sleep good at night because I know I never killed nobody unless somebody took a, a hit from mine. I don't know about it, but I ain't never sell no soap or nothing crazy. It's going straight up to the freaking Columbia's and Washington Heights and wait. One thirty fifth in Amsterdam, y'all. You see uh-huh. them million dollar houses. When I was going up there, the whole block was dilapidated. Right. No right. Life. No cash, no one. It was crazy. Now you can't even go on them blocks. Yeah. As a cop, as a cop, what is it like watching the gentrification happen? Watching this place because this isn't not. This is not. This is no longer just New York that you walk 
the city as a resident. You was you was getting money out here. You was doing mm-hmm. things out here. So now as a cop walking around seeing the gentrification, that has to hit different. Like that, you're like, what the? F- this I'm a lieutenant in the two eight precinct in Harlem, and it's like. White women walking poodles at two in the morning. I'm like, yo, what the hell is going on? <laughs> yo, one of the most valid priests in that. We got this all this gentrification, but um, I'm happy that you know they fixed up the hood. Hopefully, they didn't move everybody out. Sometimes it's collateral damage. Yeah. Do you think it's? Uh, do you think? Okay, oh, man. No, I was just gonna. I was just gonna ask, like, um. I think we kind of touched on it before, but you know, we, we're we're always protesting right now, right? You see, you see people kind of protesting all the time about, you know, defund the police and and this, that, and the third. And I have I have different views on it, different thoughts on on the whole idea of it. But what are what are your ideas on when it comes to the whole i the whole concept of defund the police? Man, y'all like the three headed monsters. Y'all hitting everything. <laughs> Y'all must have planned this. <laughs> listen, we listen. We don't. We don't do interviews. Mac's trying to be in. all cool about that. Oh, let me. Just, I know you thought about this. Y'all planning? I love it. I love it. Listen, I, listen. I we don't. It. We don't do interviews often. So when we interview somebody, we make sure <laughs> we, we make sure we questions. do our job. No, because that's a deep question. You know, sometimes I do these things. They call me for like podcasts, and it's like same boring. I'm like, nah, but this is definitely different. I'm loving it. So, Mac, that whole defund the police thing, I'm not for defund the police. Like, we got to be careful with the wording that we use because it's kind of dangerous. Defund mean, like, let's just get rid of the police. I'm all for defunding, but the next minute, we got to have the new restructure. I'm, I'm for more restructuring policing. We know the whole criminal justice system is racist and it's bent against black and brown people. It has to be abolished, but we need to have a restructure plan. Once you abolish it, what's going to be the next minute? Because Nana and my kids got to walk the streets. And we're not yep. doing the homeboy hookup. It's going to be guardian angels <laughs> watching the block. Nice. That ain't going to work around my neighborhood. That ain't going to work. I need some trained officers that's going to treat people with respect. So I'm all for, there's a lot of ways we could take wiggle room from police. Like, since Reagan that way, you saw a crack. We've been doing the war on drugs. What are we doing today? The war on drugs. It ain't working. It ain't working. You can't arrest your way out of drug addiction. It's counseling, education, and treatment. Cops don't need to be locking up people for vials of crack. No, that's the crackhead. You lock a crackhead or put him in jail. He come home in jail. He gonna smoke crack. He gonna come home. Yep. He gonna smoke he's gonna do more crack. crack. America's the most forward moving nation, but we so far ahead. Amsterdam, they've been smoking weed for 40 years out there, legalized. You know what I'm saying? So we are so far removed, but you know what? Prisons are freaking cash cows. So they got these prisons, they got to put bodies in because for the life of me, why are we locking people up for drugs? Especially if you're 21 and older and you want to smoke drugs, that's your business. That's your business. Why don't they legalize it? And uh, you know, I'm a national speaker for this. We call LEAP, Law Enforcement Action Partnership. And our part, our position is legalize all drugs. The biggest drug in America is alcohol. They regulated it. Let's regulate the same thing. You go up in Canada, they they, they just open some safe houses. Like you want to shoot heroin, you come in this place. We're going to give you clean needles. And after you come off your high, we give you some counseling. We're going to give you some clean needles. 
No more the kids going to step on them. But this is the way we get the wave that we got to do. So we can take a bunch of that money from the war on drugs and use it to like bridge the gap between community and police, fix our bottles, fix our schools, all of that stuff. And also dealing with emotionally disturbed people. Every time a cop kills an emotionally disturbed person, I actually feel really bad for the cop. And you know why I feel bad? Because we're sending, think about this, you're sending somebody untrained to deal with that situation. Cops are not trained to deal with emotionally disturbed persons. So in the police academy, you got firearms training, driver's training, domestic violence, emotionally disturbed, all of this training. So you might get 16 hours, 18 hours emotionally disturbed person training. You don't know how to deal with them. So it's the first time that butt naked person picks up a stick, you're going, you're going to kill them. Yep. So why are we putting cops in those positions? But when you look at Oregon, the state of Oregon, um, Oregon got this program called Cahoots, C-A-H-O-O. That's the shit where every, because they, they legalize everything out there, correct? They've been doing it. Now when they get a call for emotionally disturbed person, they don't send the cops. They know who they send. send some trained counselors. And the counselors get on the scene. If they can't handle it, they say, yo, we need the police here because this person got a weapon or he might be a yeah. danger. But they don't outright just send the police right there. Police can't handle this. My thing and I'm is not with defending the police, but I'm just, I'm hoping I'm breaking it down so y'all understand. Oh, no, you definitely are. No, yeah. we, we've all, I, we all three of us have always agreed that police officers are not equipped to handle those type of calls, and they shouldn't be. Right. Uh, but that so that was my uh, follow up question to to you and Max point. Um, why is it on the public? To 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 watch in because because you're not the only person. The, the, um, I forgot his name and it, it, forgive me, but um, I, he's either a councilman or he's something important. But he said exactly what you said about you know, um, and I think even Obama said it about you know the term defund the police. Why is it on the the the, the civilians to have to you know come up with a better term when defund the police is actually the the it's it's in that term explains everything that it should. It's the people, it's the police and other people who are taking it. And sometimes I think purposely misconstruing it. So, so where, so equally, where do we distribute that accountability? Well, you got to understand the police don't want to defund anything. Of course not. <laughs> no, uh, that, right, right, right. So that's my thing. Right. Anything. I promise we, you. Because they yeah. want to keep up though. The, the military record, the tanks, the MP5s, like we live in Iraq. We, we don't need that. We're like, we're Listen, I ain't going to hold you. I understand why they don't want to give up the MP5. That's a great weapon. <laughs> great, certain, great great service weapon. Great breaching weapon. I will say I do prefer the MP5 over the M4. But You sound like Martin in Blue Street. In the most violent precincts of the city of New York, and I've never seen an MP5 used ever by a cop. So, But they had thousands of them. Thousand. And I never seen a tank in New York City rolling down a block like when Mike Brown. You can't even find you can't even find fucking parking for a goddamn Jeep Wrangler. Where you gonna fit a Jeep on these <laughs> goddamn streets? Yes, but I just think like like more, some people when you say defund they. It's like in Seattle. Y'all know what's going on in Seattle right now? Yeah, yeah. Like a it's, couple it's of crazy months ago, Seattle, Seattle gave up two to three miles of Seattle. No mm-hmm. police. Nothing. Mm-hmm. The safe zone. It's the safe zone. And guess what's happening? People are getting killed. Women are being raped. Stores don't even want to open. It's a freaking mess. 
That's your defund. If people want defund, that's what it is. But you could go to Camden, New Jersey. Camden, New Jersey, which was one of the most violent places in New York City, they defunded their police department. But you know what they did? They reallocated the funds. Yeah. Nah, they created an entire police department, a whole new police department. The police I was just department. hearing about that. I was they just had them that. Yeah. to reapply if they wanted to be a cop. And in Camden, they had to reapply, go through an investigation and everything to get back on that police department. And that's Fire. the prototype police departments in the country. So, again, there's no lag, like getting rid of the police and then in two weeks we bring a new one. No, 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 no. You got to have that plan ready for the next day. When you say this department is done, we're now we're starting fresh with this one right here. That's actually mm. really, really dope. Yeah. That's actually really, Should really we? dope. You know, should I, I'm looking at the time. Should we mess around? Keep interviewing you till goddamn almost tomorrow. Um, uh, listen, know, right? uh, listen. We we appreciate you chopping it up with us and you know telling some of your life story and answering some of our questions. Um, I I, I don't got no nothing else. Mac Ryan, y'all good? No nah, man, we don't I'm need good. no letter, listen, man. I don't need none of that. Yeah, yeah we don't I, need a letter. Nothing. Say, man, on, on I want real... you, I want you back on the episode. I'll tell you that. Yeah, no, I definitely, we definitely got to get him back. Man. We gonna do. A, um, I, I feel like there's a lot of things we can do, especially with with your background and and all the people that listen to us and and know about. Well, y'all already do. know. Y'all like, I'm I'm your in-house police expert. Whenever y'all need, because listen, I'm, I'm like, hold up. You said what? You know who? You saw? What? Yeah. Let me call my man. Matter of fact, because uh-huh. <laughs> you said you didn't get charged. <laughs> secret. Those crazy ass cops gonna kill somebody else. I promise mm-hmm. you that. <laughs> Didn't they just yeah. kill somebody? Wasn't it yesterday? Two days ago? In the Bronx. Yeah, yeah in the Bronx, yeah. It's, it's not going to stop. It's crazy. And I know the era you came from is a whole different era from what the era that we grew up in. And it's and it's still so much of a different era from these kids and what they have to see. So, see man, I appreciate day. you and, 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 and everything you've, you've showed us, you've taught us, you've, you've spoke to us about. Um, of course, everybody go cop that book. Once we need cop. we need three signed copies. We need Definitely the signature need in our joint. Yo, I, yeah, I need I need it. Yeah. You guys send me the address. You guys send me the address. I ship them up. I'm gonna text you. I'm gonna text you all, all of our mm-hmm. addresses um, as soon as we get the phone. Now he's giving me three poses. You see this? You see what I'm saying? How the brothers do? <laughs> he can't give me one. He giving mm-hmm. me three. <laughs> three Addies. <laughs> Like, because it's, it's a pandemic. It's a pandemic. He's in I LA. I need to He's read. in VA, and I we need, need to get read. our reading up. I got you. I got you. Listen, don't worry. We're gonna do the guys next to Matt. Fact, yo, I just figured it out. I think the next time we do a Patreon and we do a live reading, like we do our book club, like we do first. He he, he be say, the we first book. Do the book club, mm-hmm. and then we chop it up with him about the book for all the Patreon members. I like I'm that. with that. I'm with like that. that. So we'll, so we'll we'll be in touch and, and make sure you know you got enough time to get ready for that and make that happen. But I definitely, definitely, whatever we can do with our platform is yours. You feel me? Like yeah, because like we need this. I, we we need. I, I actually want to get you and Ed. I'm pretty sure you spoke to Ed, uh, E Raymond already, but that's like, a little bro. That's a little yeah. Bro. Like y'all 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 like I'm gonna be honest. I don't fuck with police, but y'all two niggas y'all give me y'all, y'all give me hope. <laughs> Matter of fact, matter of fact, before you get out of here, you, you I, I do want you to tell the story and how you kept a calm head about when they when they tried to fuck you over with your son. When when they when they when they didn't know you was a uh, police officer, I think you told him on Combat Jack 
and, and they, they had they they pulled you out the car. Mm-hmm. Can, yeah. can you just tell the people about that? They pulled my son out the car. Mm. Pulled my son out the car, and he's my namesake. His name is Corey Pickies Jr. And after they pulled him out of the car and they rammed into his car and everything, they got his ID, and they was like, "Oh shit!" <laughs> they was like, "You?" He was like, "Yeah, I'm I'm that I'm that Corey. <laughs> I'm not one of them." <laughs> I'm actually one of him. I'm actually him. <laughs> yeah, actually. but listen, man, these two, these dudes is crazy. But like you said, we could go on and on with these stories. These they, they're out of control. Until somebody gonna come in there and hold their feet to the fire, it's not gonna stop. But as long as you got Edmund Raymond's in the world that's out there, that's a strong young brother. He ain't playing no games with none of them, man. His heart is in the right place and he's doing the Absolutely. right Absolutely. I, and, and I'm in Flatford, so I see him all the time. Like, mm. I really, Thanks. between y'all two, I really do got some semblance of hope that, like, something, something going to be better. Something going to be better. Um, But, yeah, we, we appreciate y'all. Tell the, tell the people where, you know, because they, they're not getting the copies that we get with the signature and whatnot. You know what <laughs> no, I mean? they, they, they so just got to get regular copies. They yeah. got to get regular copies. And they got to pay for that. You know what I mean? We need that. Um, yeah. You know what I mean? We, we need that. You know what I mean? Yeah. Y'all get two episodes for the price of none. Y'all gonna pay for that. Thank you. Um, so yeah, OG, tell them, tell them where they can follow you, where they can support, where they get the book. Stay tuned for the, uh, you know, the movie announcements and all that. Yeah, they can just go to my website, CoreyPegues.com, C-O-R-E-Y-P-E-G-U-E-S, and all my social media handles are there. They can get the book off Amazon. It's in all Barnes and Nobles all over the country. And watch out for my documentary coming out, A Cops and Robbers Story. They could go to theguardian.com and see a snippet, a 22-piece um, minute snippet of um, Cops and Robbers story. But, um, that's it, man. We hustling, man. And you know that Netflix, The Crack, Hulu, and FX next month with um Uncovered, uh, Hip Hop uncovered. uncovered. Yeah, yeah, and Killing Beef, Killing Beef documentary. So I'm moving, man. I'm working, man. I'm the, next time, the next time you come up here, we got to talk about them hip hop cops. Hip hop cops. Yeah, we gotta talk about that shit. We got we gotta talk about that. We gotta talk that. about that. We we'd love to see some of our hip hop favorites from New York be able to perform soon. <laughs> yeah. And yo, you know it's crazy, like as a commander, you know, like you know, Rick Ross, Stoop, all these dudes would come through, you know, some of my spots. And uh, the hip hop cops would be there, and I look at these dudes and say, "Yo, I'm hip hop. I'm all the way hip hop. Like, right, right, right. I'm all the way hip hop. And none of the hip hop cops was hip hop to me. I was, <laughs> it was like, this is one of the hip hop. They almost like what? middle management geeks, right? <laughs> now, now, when at roll call, like when y'all picking out these. Undercovers, like, th- was there a Jason Seahorn jersey that everybody was told to get? Because, wow. like, <laughs> wow, wow. <laughs> Jason Seahorn, I haven't even heard that name in a long. <laughs> like everybody, we like, oh, this nigga got the Jason Seahorn jersey. Hit this nigga come. This is a hit this nigga come with the Jason Seahorn. What you want, sir? <laughs> you want to check my buddy pass? Get the fuck out of here. <laughs> Yo, quick before we go, I remember this probably at 86. I'm on Murdoch at 198, and this fiend is like scratching his beard like this. He's cracked out, cracked out, and he's like, Yo, let me get two, let me get two, let me get two. I'm like, Man, get the fuck out of here. 
Cop, man, get out of here. Yo, that dude became a very good friend of mine in police. And to this day, I never said nothing to him. Because cops, I was a hustler. And cops can't right. figure nothing out. I see you. So you a hustler? The first, if I ever see you, I'm going to always remember your face. Right, right, I'm right. I'm never going to forget. But cops, they can't figure the stuff out that I can figure out. I have a very photogenic memory because I had to. I had to be worrying about the stick-up kid. I had to worry mm-hmm. about the being. But say face. you had to know who, you had to know all you the players. Know. You had to know what said. Well, Hope said, y'all see the jackets is coming. The theme is tight. <laughs> what do you say? Mm-hmm. That's yeah, crazy. Cops, they can't figure it out. And this dude was like, I saw him with, I might have had three years on the job. He was like, yo, you look familiar. You look familiar. Immediately, I locked in like, when I made a murder, that was that theme. And he never knew. He was like, yo, you live in Queens? I was like, yeah. He was like, like on Murdoch? I was like, no, nah, I'm on the south side. He can't figure it <laughs> He can't figure it <laughs> the spin move. Spin. <laughs> you like Listen, that. we appreciate you. We're gonna talk to you real soon. Um, and congratulations on everything. You well deserved, Seriously, well deserved, man. well deserved. Thank you. Um, and you know what I mean? We can't wait to be in the movie. You know, we we mm-hmm. can't, you know, we, we can't wait to be in the movie. Um, book club. We're gonna do all of that. You know, you we ain't gonna let you forget us. You know what I'm talking about? <laughs> do we, it. we there, you know, do we're it. doing this together. You might as well sign those three copies, you know, right now when you get off the phone so you don't forget. I know how it'll be. I'll take that one right there. I'll take that one. No, no. Actually, that's that's mine. That one's mine. You're you're a little lower. That one one right there, yeah. You could put two mouse, realest (laughs) nigga ever. Wow. Wow. I got you. You you I got that one right here. Yeah, see? Now, you got that one, Ryan. You got that one. That one got more age. That one got vintage. They got time on it. Yo, fellas, I was like doing my little prop. You know, I'm on court TV all the time and stuff. So I was like, well, I'm putting other people's books. I'm about to change this whole stack. (laughs) (laughs) We're going to make sure we have our video editor only only, uh, zoom in on yours. Yeah, we got you. We got you. (laughs) We appreciate you, man. Hey, y'all have heard a great episode yet again. Um, we had the OG Corey Pegues. Listen, put respect on that man's name. Everything he he talked about, go support it. Go support it. Go support it. We're going to do our, our job. Y'all do y'all part. In the meantime, in between time, make sure you follow, rate, subscribe. Any and everywhere you get your podcast, if you are listening on Apple Music, make sure you give us a five-star rating because we are children. So please validate us. Let us know we're doing a good job. Leave a comment. If y'all motherfuckers got a listener letter, obviously we didn't read none today, you'll be all right. But if you got a listener letter you want read on air, make sure you send it to guys next door, one, two, three at gmail.com. Y'all know the rest. Um, we're on YouTube, guys next door podcast. Y'all, y'all motherfuckers got all this SBA money, they got all this pandemic monies. I know we got a few scammers that listen. I know we do. In that case, spend some of that monies with the guys next door. Where? At our Patreon, patreon.com backslash guys next door pod. Put some snaps on the Petro. Um, and I think that's everything. We'll see y'all on Thursday. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. 
Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.